right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time to say. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Bit of a short show today. We're out at 530. That's because we got KU basketball. It's back. Sort of. It's an exhibition game. Oh, it's back. But it's back. Yeah. 5.30 pregame tip-off at 7 o'clock between KU and Pittsburgh State. And uh, if you missed our interview with their head coach, Jeff Boshi, you can check that out on the RCST podcast from yesterday. We uh, are going to be joined by Scott Wright to preview the Oklahoma State side of things ahead of the KU-Oklahoma State football game on Saturday, which you can also hear here on KLWN and going out to Big Mill before the game. Nick and Scott will be having a uh, pregame show from out there. So that'll come at 4.05 with Scott Wright. We've got plenty of other stuff coming at you throughout the show today. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Nick, have you checked the Kansas-Oklahoma State line lately? I have. It has Crazy. moved significantly, depending on what site you're on. So DraftKings, which is the only site you should be using, is a pick'em. Really? It is now a pick'em for who wins. Now Oklahoma just, State actually they, has what? Well, no, that actually means that Kansas. It's better odds to take Oklahoma State. They're a pick'em at minus one hundred five. Kansas is minus one fifteen. So basically, Vegas is saying we would prefer you pick Oklahoma State here. Interesting. That is wild. Yeah, they must be very confident that Gunnar Gundy is going to start for Oklahoma State. Well, remember I, I said yesterday, I asked you, what do you think the over-under for the Kansas team total points is? And you, uh, the answer was 31.5, right? Yeah, and I said really low. Yeah. <laughs> you said, I think, 23. But 31.5. So you would think, okay, the line's changed because yesterday when I asked, Kansas was getting two points. You would go, okay, what is the Kansas team total at now? It's still at 31.5. The only thing that has changed here, the over-under has gone down, and the Oklahoma State team total points has gone down to 30.5. So to that exact point, that tells you right there, the context clue is we think Oklahoma State's going to score less. They think Spencer Sanders is out. Yes. Yes. And, I mean, I, I haven't seen anything to, su- to suggest that he is going to play. And actually, there's even been some rumors online that he might be out for the season. Yeah. So- we got some, like, Jalen Daniels crossover yeah. stuff with what's going on there. Yeah, no kid. So, uh, yeah, you can get in on KU at a pick em right now, which who would have thought? I haven't seen any of the player props come out, so if we see some of those tomorrow, we'll uh, mention them for you. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KLWN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued is free bets, one boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Deposit, parlay, and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. 
Uh, KU basketball starts off tonight. We have the Pittsburgh State game again. The exhibition, you can hear pregame at 5.30 and tip off at 7 o'clock here on KLWN as well as our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Let's do a uh, KU basketball season prop preview. I got some fun props that we can go over for what we think is going to happen this year. Okay. And then we'll get into some Pitt State exhibition talk. I mean, there's not like that much we can talk about. Like, I'm not going to break down it's how is... This is a huge game. I'm not, no, I'm not going to be like, you know, how does Jalen Wilson's game fit against Pitt State if so-and-so well, has a bad game? How does Kansas win? No. Well, he's taller than everybody else on Pitt State. <laughs> that, that's the that tends to help in basketball. Uh, okay, which of these is more likely? Jalen Wilson wins National Player of the Year, or Dewan Harris is a first-team All-Big 12 performer? I'm thinking Dewan Harris here because I think we've we've kind of circled around this a couple of different times in different discussions, but I just there's too many guys on KU that are, I think are going to be successful contributors for Jalen Wilson to, to, to put up the numbers to win that award, right? Like, to win that award, you've got to be putting up, what, at least – 17, 18 points a game, probably. Yeah, least, probably. Well, I mean, more. Oscar Shibway, I think, was at like 16 last but year, but he got was aver- 16 rebounds. Yeah, exactly. So. He was also averaging 15 rebounds yeah. a game or whatever. So so for a guy like Jalen Wilson, he needs to be scoring at least you know, 18, 19 points a game. And I, I just don't know if that's going to happen, not because I don't think Jalen could do that. I just think that you're going to have a lot of other guys. Like, to me, this is a team that you could see five or six, five guys Averaging double digits, right? So you have like three or four guys around like 12, 11, 10 points a game. That's not enough to win the national player of the year. Whereas on the other side with DeWan Harris, let's say he averages, you know, multiple steals a game and he's a, a major, major piece of Kansas defensively and he maybe he, he is pretty a, an efficient three point shooter, right? Maybe he doesn't take a lot of threes, but he's efficient when he takes them and whatever, right? Like that could be enough to get him on first team. So I'm going with DeWan Harris. We're going to have our college basketball season betting preview coming up later in the show so we'll talk more about the national player of the year stuff but I do wonder if like at the top with Oscar Shibway and Drew Timmy like they might put up better numbers than a guy like Jason Jalen Wilson but there might be voter fatigue with those guys you know I know Timmy hasn't won the award but just with him being in basketball so long I you're right he has to hit a certain level like I think bare minimum you're looking at probably 17, 18 points per game, yeah. and he probably has to get nine or ten rebounds per game. And Kansas has to be really good, be really good, be a one or two seed, win the Big Twelve, which all those things are possible. <laughs> it's not like that's you know far fetched or anything like that. So I don't think it's crazy. No, no. Um, the problem with Dewan Harris for all Big Twelve, to your point, can't score. Yeah, it's just the totals aren't going to be there. And even like, 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 like how many points would Dewan Harris need to average to make first team? That's the thing. At if, least. 12. Well, right? I mean, Aaron Miles had some years where he averaged like eight, nine points and like seven, eight assists, and he never got, I think, above third team. So, like, even if Dewan Harris gives you seven assists, even if Dewan Harris gives you great defense, like Marcus Garrett never got first team for the defense. And Marcus Garrett, I think, had a year in there where he averaged like 10 and four assists with like four rebounds and was the best defender on the perimeter in college basketball. I don't even remember if he was second team all Big 12. So, yeah, Dewan Harris would probably have to average, yeah, 12 points per game, Which that's seven or eight assists, and be <laughs> one of the best defensive players in the Big 12. That's a lot of points for a guy like Dewan. I think Jalen Wilson, it's more likely he wins National Player of the Year. And that doesn't necessarily mean Dewan Harris can't be one of the five most important players in the Big 12. Yeah, and that's like, that's like what just Bill statistically Self was, he won't get voted there. That's like what Bill Self was saying in the mm-hmm. preseason, which is... How could you not look at Dewan Harris and say that he's one of the five best players in the Big 12? Yeah. But on the stat sheet, it's probably not going to look that way. Because that's what those awards give out to. Like, yeah. 
we don't like, for instance, Christian Brown. Christian Brown was one of the five best players in the Big 12 last year. He wasn't a first team all Big 12 candidate, and he did have stats that, that probably could have gone in there, although some of the Big 12 numbers dipped a little bit. But it's just like they're going to give it to the stats guys. So if somebody puts up big numbers for another school, even if they're not as good, like Nigel Pack or something, although I, I kind of thought Nigel Pack deserved to be first team, but nonetheless, like you get the <laughs> point. I, I'm going to Jalen Wilson. Uh, okay, this one more points per game. Grady Dick or Kevin McCuller? I think for KU's sake, it has to be Grady Dick. If if Kevin McCuller is averaging more points per game than Grady Dick, I think that's problems for KU as a team. What if so, it just means Kevin McCuller broke out? Well, I mean, that's a possibility. But, I, I mean, I, I think this needs to be Grady Dick. I think he needs to be in the 13, 14, 15 points per game range. And I don't think Kevin McCuller is going to be that high, so... Yeah, I so I actually do kind of... A, I, I was just giving you a hard time, but I, I kind of do agree with you from the sentiment of... We know Grady Dick needs to be this team's best three-point shooter, or, or he might be, and, and that needs to be shown in the stat sheet. So if he's making a lot of threes and getting the most opportunities on the team, that should lead to a lot of points. Whereas you, with Kevin, you No, go ahead. I said you would think. Yeah, and and with Kevin McCuller, like, he has so many things he does on a basketball court to impact winning. Like, he will score a little bit. I, yeah. I'm sure he'll get double-digit digit points. He'll be a good transition score, but he also is a guy who can really pass. He might get you three, four assists a game. He might get you a handful of rebounds. He's going to be a great defender on that end of the floor. Whereas with Grady Dick, like the main reason he is going to have as big of a role as he is, is to be a shooter and to score points. Correct. Yes. So you're right in that, like they 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 need it to be Grady Dick. The one exception would be like if Kevin McCuller, hypothetically, who is like thirty three to one, or I think I think on DraftKings he is forty to one. To win the Wooden Award. If hypothetically Kevin McCuller becomes a Wooden Award winner, then yes, that's fine. He leads the team in points. Um, and if this is a situation <laughs> where Kevin McCuller averages 16 a game and Grady Dick averages 14, then like, yes, you'll great. be fine. Yes. It's just the idea that you imagine both are going to get somewhere between 11, 12 to 15 points per game. It would be more beneficial to have the guy who you think is going to really help you on the shooting aspect. So I do agree. I would go with Grady Dick. Yeah. I think Kevin McCuller will have his. Uh, He'll be like a man of many hats. He'll help you out in a lot of different ways. Who leads Kansas in rebounding? Open floor. All right. This is a, this is a tough one. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, I, is it crazy to say K.J. Adams? No. I mean, if you think he's going to have that, that big of a role. Um, well, I, I don't mean, we know. know he's a I don't good know how big of a role he's going to have. That's the thing. Yeah. That's what makes this one hard, which is why, I, to me, it's an obvious answer. Oh, really? But it's not obvious at the same point in time, because the, the you're going to say Jalen Wilson. I am okay. because the 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 first thought when you ask a question, who's going to lead a team in rebounds? You immediately think like your power forward center. Yeah, exactly. And I guess Jalen Wilson is your four, but you immediately think one of the centers. But because we don't know who the center is going to be, and even if one guy emerges, like they might only play 20 minutes a game. Jalen's going to be out there 30 plus minutes a game. And I don't know any of the other wings that would really contend for that. Like, last year, Jalen Wilson was your leading rebounder, even ahead of David McCormick. So I, I think it's Jalen with a bullet in this one. Okay. But I think it becomes more interesting if I ask this outside of Jalen Wilson, who <laughs> leads the team in rebounding. KJ Adams. Okay. I like I don't the pick. know. I don't know. No, I, I know. I'm not sure. I think you could make a real argument for another wing. I think I, I don't know which one, but you could be like, hey, Kevin McCullough, I mean, Grady Dick. I mean, Grady Dick's six eight. Yeah, exactly. Get a bunch of rebounds. Like they're tall, they're athletic wings. What if they get like what if what if Jalen Wilson leads Kansas with eight rebounds a game, and then second is like a wing with five, and then third is like a center with four and a half because they're not playing a ton. Yeah. I think that's a very real possibility. Yeah. And on one hand, 
you would love to have a center who can gobble up all those rebounds for you. And if they're playing another really good center, like an Oscar Shibwe, they need to be able to step up in that regard. But also, if your wings are getting a bunch of rebounds, that's not the worst thing in the world. Like, no, because I mean, those are the guys that are going to start transition play. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a bad thing. It's definitely not a bad thing. Over under one and a half team trophies. So they play the Battle for Atlantis. They have the Big oh. Twelve regular season, the Big okay. Twelve postseason. You get a trophy if you make the Final Four, and you get a trophy if you win the title. So oh, you have well, five chances at trophies. Way over. You think way over? Way over. But you realize if you if you lose in the Elite Eight at max, you can now get three. You're still going to get two, at least. They didn't win the uh, whatever ESPN events invitation last year. They lost to Dayton. Oh, what if that happens this year? Is Dayton in the in whatever they're in again? Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, no. Give me that. I think Tennessee's then, uh, in it, who's just been killing teams in the exhibition. No. Give me give me the battle for Atlantis and give me the Big 12. There you go. Well, because think about it like this. So, Kansas <clears throat> is... And plus, what somebody could win the, win the player of the year. Boom. There's another trophy. No, team trophies. What? Specifically. The question was team trophies. Um, but, but, okay, if you win a trophy and you're on the team, that's a team trophy. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that so, how it works? So, like, everybody who is on the, the U.S. Olympic, like, swimming team is like, hey, Michael, I know you won the – Michael Phelps. Yeah, everyone know, gets gold. I know you won the 400-meter – What I don't know what he, he swam. The 200-meter uh, butterfly. That's ours. So, uh, I'm going to need you to, to give me that medal. No. That doesn't that's not how it do works. Mean? Everybody um, gets a trophy. I don't know. See, my 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 first thing to say here is honestly under. Because wow. Tennessee is the favorite. I mean, this isn't just like me saying it because Tennessee is doing the exhibitions. Well, they Tennessee just, is the favorite on on betting on, on DraftKings. They could just win, the, win the Big the 12 and then win the Big 12 tournament. They Those could. Two. Boom. But also Baylor is in the Big 12 and could win one of the two. And so if you lose one of the two and don't win the battle for Atlantis, and then you may lose in the Elite Eight. Like all, KU could have a great season. They could <laughs> win two of three games in the Battle for Atlantis. They could share the Big 12 regular season title, lose in the Big 12 final, get a two seed in the tournament, make it to the Elite Eight, and lose in the Elite Eight. That would be a great season, especially coming off the after the title season. And you would still only have one trophy in that situation. So I, I, I'm going to take the under. No, over. Okay. They're going to uh, get five trophies. <laughs> okay. Uh, more minutes played. Bobby Pettiford or MJ Rice? I'm going MJ Rice here. Because I don't know if Bobby Pettiford is going to be able to stay healthy enough to play a lot of minutes. So, I mean, I think I think in Bill Self's mind, Bobby Pettiford probably would get the edge here. But with injuries and everything and the inconsistency of Bobby Pettiford, obviously that's not his fault by any means. You know, it's not nothing he can control. But I, I think it's going to be MJ Rice. I... This one's tough. I think Bobby Pettiford has the the floor of being the backup point guard, right? The problem is I don't know how many minutes that's going to be. How long is DeJuan yeah. going to be off of, uh, of a game? Five minutes? Eight minutes? At yeah. most when he's not on the, the court? Ten not minutes? I don't minutes. know. Yeah. So there is the floor that he should play those minutes, but it might not be a ton. Now, can he get some minutes as a, a player next to DeJuan Harris? That's going to kind of be the key. I MJ, think MJ Rice could. Yes, that's the thing. And he could play two through four. I, I would go with MJ Rice here for the ceiling. There's also, though, a possibility. I think MJ Rice has one of the widest possibilities of uh, his use on this team. You could convince me that he's going to you know, play 25 minutes a game and be perfect for this team in a lot of ways as a small ball four, even playing the two and three, and that he'll be able to make tough shots for you. Um, and then also, you could convince me that it's like a Bryce Thompson thing, where Bryce Thompson... They wanted to make it work, and they tried to get it going, but 
the shot just never came around his freshman year, and then by the time you you get to the end of the year, and he I think he had an injury too at one point, he kind of loses favor in the rotation, and he maybe only is playing in the games he is playing like ten to fifteen minutes, and and maybe Pettiford could be him there, but I would go MJ Rice. How yeah. many? Well, sorry, go ahead. How many players shoot thirty five percent or better from three? Two. <laughs> that did not sound confident at all. Th- three. I no I, I I two I don't know so I I think Grady Dick is the automatic one right you would you would hope yeah now it's it's not automatic that it happens like as a freshman it's, yeah yeah exactly it if he shoots six threes a game and shoots thirty four percent it's the under here and that wouldn't be like a rousing success of a season but that would be pretty fine for a freshman um, it would be bad for KU but yes fine, it would be yes correct yeah. um but he would be the one that you definitely need and then who else. Uh, Jalen, I guess maybe. Yeah, I mean you're looking at 26 percent last year. I didn't know. I think was... he was under 20 in the NCAA tournament. I didn't realize it was that low. But if you just take his Big 12 play, I think he was 33 in the Big 12 okay. in in just the regular season. Now so we're, now we're clicking. Uh, the shots should be better this year. Well, who else besides Grady Dick then? That might be one where you need. That's the problem. Like Kevin McCuller has been around like 29, 30 his entire career, but that should be one where it gets a lot better for him this year and. He's going to have, like, with Texas Tech, a lot of times he would take, like, I don't know, they don't have as good of sets or, or as good of plays to get guys open, I think is the best yeah. way of putting it. Yeah, um, sure. That's going to benefit him at Kansas. I don't know about 35%, though. Like, he could get it up to, like, 33. So Jalen could get up to 33. It'd be, it'd be, a, big, it'd be a big improvement. Um, we're looking at one. I think Dewan Harris. Over it's 35? not going to be on high volume. Well, yeah, if he shoots, like, one one and a yeah, half exactly. per game, but I think he can do it. Okay, I think it would really help if Joe Yesifu did it. So yeah, I I think yeah. the answer here is two. I feel like if you were setting the Vegas line, you'd set it at two and a half. Two and a half. But well, do you think Zach like Zach Clements or Cam Martin could be the same thing as Dewan Harris? Limited attempts, but have above thirty five. So maybe it'd be. Th- I, I think you set yeah. it at three and a half. Three and a half. Well, you didn't specify. Is, no, is I didn't. Minimum attempts. Yeah, I guess if we're looking set. at like a certain minimum of attempts, which I don't know what I would set it at, but among guy, the way to put this, among guys in the rotation who are going to significantly play, two, two, I think that's fair. Um, hopefully. Okay, how about this one? Ku gets a two seed exactly in the NCAA tournament, or the field. So anything uh, else. Oh, you're saying they get any other seed? Yes. Well, they're going to get a one seed. So I then think. you take the field. Yes. Hmm. I mean, the one seeds are going to be what? Gonzaga. Kentucky, North Carolina. I don't know. Probably. Tennessee. Yeah, one of those. Duke. Sure. But, I mean, realistically, the only really true lock one seed is Gonzaga. Baylor. Yeah, because Gonzaga will just, they might lose a couple like, games in the non-con. North Carolina and Duke, one of them is not, they can't both be one seed, I don't think. I wouldn't think so because, like, kind of the same deal with Kentucky and Tennessee. You would think one yeah. of them is going to end up being the two. Like, with the Big 12, you can get two one seeds with Baylor and, and Kansas, but that's because you have such an unbelievable conference. You know, with the ACC, like, you get start getting down to teams who are, like, the fifth or sixth best, and you're like, eh, I don't suck. even know if that's an NCAA tournament yeah, they team. Suck. Um. I think I would take the field. There's just too many numbers to go against here. If you gave me two or three seed versus the field, though, I might take the two or three. Maybe. 
I, I just think, think they're going to get a one. So that's 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 my opinion. Yeah, I I just think it'll be a little bit of a slower start <laughs> with the the non-con with with so many new players and different Derek, roles. It and doesn't guys. matter if you lose in November. I mean, it does for the seeding. No, it doesn't. I don't know. If KU loses by fifty against Duke, that's not gonna that's not gonna matter. I mean, um, I see. I disagree. It's part of the formula. Like it goes in. It's not. It's not everything. Like if you. If you win the Big Twelve regular season in the postseason, but you lose four times in the non-con, yeah, you're you're still going to get a one seed at that point. It just it gives you more to work with, I guess. Like like Baylor, for instance, Baylor last year, right? Baylor got a share of the Big Twelve title, and then they they lost in the I forget if they lost the first round or the second round of the Big Twelve tournament, and they had injuries at the end of this season too, to where. They had reasons not to be picked as one, but they went undefeated in the non-con. And that's the reason they got the last one seed. Otherwise, they would have been on a two-line. So, like, it, it matters a little bit. I, I don't know. There, there are certain levels. Okay. All right. KU plays Pitt State tonight. Pre-game 530. Tip-off 7 o'clock right here on KLWN. What can we actually learn in an exhibition game against Pitt State? Well, we might learn a little bit more about the rotation. We might learn a little bit more about the center situation. And we might learn a little bit more about Grady Dick. That's exciting. Yeah. I, I think anytime you, you see like the first real game with the new well, players, right? Yeah, yeah, I was actually thinking about this. Like think about the exhibition like last season. Like you know what Dave is. Yeah, you, you know, know what everybody is. was. Except you know for like CD Remy is. Martin. Yeah, like you knew you already like mm-hmm. you already knew what was going on there. But this year, you have Grady Dick, you have Kevin McCuller, you have the questions around the center position. So there is actually some more intriguing things that you could look at in the exhibition than probably last year. Yeah, I think that's that's a good way of putting it. And yeah, it's just you, you want to see the new toys, so yeah, to speak, sure. right? Uh, and that would be if you're picking like a player that I'm most interested to watch. Like I feel like the, the most common answer for KU fans probably would be Grady Dick. Yeah, I think so. They just want to see him out there. For, sure. uh, for me, obviously, you're not going to learn it. Like, if one of the centers goes off, I don't think we're going to take away from that and say that, He's oh, the look, guy. they found the center. Yeah, exactly, because they're they're playing against guys who are undecided. We just had Jeff Boshi on yesterday. I mean, he said Pitt we're going to have some lineups with a 6'6 guy yeah, in there at center. State's tallest guy is 6'7, I think. Now, it's it's almost like the opposite. If Kansas struggles at the center position against guys who are 6'6. Are you going to overreact? I think so, yes. Okay. Um, but if if you know if if three of the centers do bad and one of them does great, it's going to be less about wow that center did so good. It's going to be more about he emerged by the others doing bad. You know what I mean? So there's certain things exactly we can an, learn that it's not exactly an inspiring. Uh, I know thing, but there's certain things we can learn that are more so the flip side of if something bad happened, which I don't love. If if any of the freshmen struggle, like that happens all the time, so I'm not gonna like overreact to that or, or overvalue that. Okay. I do want to see like what the three point shot looks like to see if it's any different for any of these players. That certainly matters a little bit to me. But again, if they go five of twenty two from three, okay, teams have bad shooting performances your first game of the year, so it's not gonna be like an overwhelming takeaway. Uh, you just kind of want to see how how players play with each other. You want to see how that that center rotation works out. Who, who's the player you're most excited to see? Is it Grady Dick? Yeah, I think so. I think I think it's Grady Dick. Yeah, or maybe I mean you could make a case for Kevin McCuller. He's an interesting, mm-hmm. unique guy. 
but yeah, it's got to be Grady Dick because you could pick one of the centers, but like you don't know which one of them no. can play. No, like, I see. You know, like like Ernest Uday could be really exciting to watch because he might get a chance to do, get some lobs. Like that could be pretty cool. But like, but again, you're going up against six six dude. <laughs> yeah, like woohoo! You got a you got a couple dunks over guys that are six inches shorter than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm most for me. It's Joe Yesifu. Like, let's see how much more aggressive he looks. Let's see how much better he looks as as an attacker on the offensive side because that's his role to getting playing time for this team and, and to impacting this team and helping this team. So that's what I want to see and, and how much two-guard lineup they use with Dewan and Bobby and Joe and, and maybe a little bit of Kyle Cuff too. Joe Yesifu, go crazy. I love it. He is uh, Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We've got Scott Wright joining us at 4 o'clock. Uh, some college basketball news, uh, not around KU, but other IARP stuff. We'll talk about it next. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Coming up at 4.05, we're going to preview the Oklahoma State side of things for the KU-Oklahoma State football game on Saturday with Scott Wright of the Oklahoman We will also get to our college basketball season betting preview, another edition of Lie Detector Test, and then the 5 o'clock hour, we've got some uh, Mellow Dotson audio to get to you. If you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, check out Venue 1235, a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. They are located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Perfect for if you're having a wedding or get-together with whoever you would like. Venue 1235. Okay, before we get into our Big 12 basketball preview, KU football landed a uh, commit today. Three-star recruit Jameel Croft, who is a corner. He is ranked top 800 nationally, which I say this all the time. Uh, Obviously, you know, if you landed a kid who was like, oh, he's ranked 750-whatever thin basketball, you'd be like, really? In football, (laughs) though, if you get anyone who's like top 1,000, that's like, especially for Kansas, that's kind of a big deal. Um, Just because there's so many players. Exactly. And, yeah. Uh, So this is the scouting report on Croft from 24-7 Sports. Good player early in his high school career, really took off as a senior, ending with his best season. Good size and length and has experience playing corner, safety, and receiver. Played less offense as a junior based on need, but stepped up and made big plays on offense as a senior, showing more speed and ball skills. Projection to the next level is as a big outside corner or safety more than a receiver, though. We'll need to show he has the closing and long speed to play corner at a high major level, but has the physicality, athleticism, and size to play at the power five level. Could be a combo guy who can play in more than one spot, but growth and development curve is headed upwards, and senior year made that abundantly clear. So it sounds like you got a guy that, as a big arrow pointed up, and might end up higher than where he's currently ranked right now. He also became KU's highest-rated commit for the class of 2023, which features 11 names. Anytime you get corner help, that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, nothing more to add to that, but just wanted to kind of get to that. Okay, our Big 12 basketball preview here before we get into our college basketball uh, betting preview. The top of the conference is certainly, if you were to tier it out, I mean, maybe you could make an argument for some other teams to be up there in Tier 1, but it definitely seems like it is the battle of Baylor and Kansas once again. Yes. Yeah, and I personally would put Kansas above Baylor. Some may disagree, mm-hmm. but I disagree with them. So, <laughs> ha! Well, I but think, also, I just I don't like Scott Drew. So. I, I think that it's 
it's very hard to ever bet against Kansas to win the Big 12. They've won it 20 times of the, like, 26 years that it's been a conference. Bill Self wins it every year. And honestly, like, the the thing that I think is going to happen is that Baylor and Kansas are just going to share the league title. I think Baylor might be the team that has a longer run in in March. They've got the really good backcourt. But... I think over the course of a Big 12 regular season, like Bill Self just figures out ways to get his team in the right situation. Yeah. Then I expect that to be the case. Yeah, I mean, with Kansas, it's just the case of winning breeds more winning, right? When you have that type of pedigree, when you have that type of coach, like you just win games. You just find ways to win games and other teams find ways to lose just yeah. because of the nature of who you are in your program. So, yeah, yeah. to me, I think it's pretty clear that, that, that Kansas is still – there's no reason to think that they aren't going to be in a position to win the Big 12 by the end of the end of the year. And Baylor looks like they're pretty good. And you've got some other Big 12 teams that are really, really talented also that could jump up into that discussion. But I think for now it's Baylor and Kansas. Yes. Uh, with the Baylor side of things, you have this elite backcourt. They bring back Adam Flagler, who is going to be a Big 12 player of the year candidate. LJ Cryer was a big-time scorer and pull-up shooter for them, averaged like 13 a game, but he got hurt and missed a lot of the end of last season, which which certainly uh, caused them to to drop off a little bit. Uh, but he's really good. And then Keontae George is uh, probably going to be a top-10 pick in the NBA draft, like seems to be transitioning well to Baylor. Their backcourt is going to be pretty nasty. They brought in some some transfers that can maybe help it, one from BYU, one from West Virginia at kind of the four spot. But the front court's going to be the question for them as it is for Kansas. Now, with Baylor, they have a little bit more proven there because two of the players coming in are transfers that have done it to varying degrees at different levels. And the center position, they had the injury last year to uh, Chamwa Chachua, uh, or however you pronounce it, uh, but Flo Thamba still like I don't know they they should still be good enough there. I I think that even though that's more of a question at the front court, there's still more questions for KU. I think KU has the better wing group. Baylor has the better guards. Both teams have some questions who emerges but is at the, the center. Is the guards like is it that much of a gap? I mean, if you were to take Dewan and Kevin McCuller and match them up with. Well, see, if you include Kevin McCuller with the guards, it becomes different. I just usually include him with the. Uh, the wings, yeah, but, but he's like, probably going to end up being more of a guard type. Guy. Yeah, it's 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 very different though in in what the two do well. And honestly, I I kind of tend to value what the Baylor guards do more at the college level, which is they're all guys that can handle the ball and create shots and make tough shots for you. Whereas with Kansas, the biggest strength of their guards are either setting people up, running in the open court, or playing defense. Yeah. And, and that has a ton of value. I'm not arguing against that, but if no, I'm choosing does. one of the two, I want the but you almost would assassins. Rather have a, yeah, you, know? you almost rather have a guy that can make tough shots. Exactly, and Baylor has which, a ton of those this year. Which, for KU, that's probably a question mark. Yeah, right? yeah, and, and that's, that's probably the biggest reason why I would lean Baylor right now. But again, I think over the course of the regular season, two teams probably end up tying, and, and you just trust Bill Self to, to get this team to another Big 12 <laughs> title in some way. Uh, so that next tier of teams... I think Texas, TCU, you probably put Texas Tech in there. I don't know, maybe even put yeah. Oklahoma State in there as well. Who do you think has the best shot to, I don't know, come in first or, or tie or, or be right behind those, those I mean, top two teams? It's got to be Texas, right, if nothing else, just because of their talent. But TCU looks like they're poised to potentially have a, have an argument there. And I think with Texas Tech, it always comes down to the question of 
can they score enough? Like, like, I mean, are you going to be able to win enough games 52 to 50? Like, probably not, right? So I think Texas, just by virtue of their pure talent, you would think probably has the best chance to, to get to that next level. And obviously Chris Beard's a great coach, right? That's And that's not to take anything away from, like, Jimmy Dixon or even Mark Adams, right? Like, those guys are good coaches too. But I think you have to maybe give the nod to Texas as, like, the third best team. But it could easily be TCU. It could easily be Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. And with Oklahoma State, like – we don't really know what is going on with them, right? Like how what they're going to be. Yeah, I I think what's weird about Texas Tech is because of that first year with Mark Adams, we just trust that it's going to continue to be the same where hey, they lose all these players and they bring in all these transfers and they're still just this elite defense. And they might be, but you look at the personnel they brought in and and there's a little more questions about that. But uh, it still wouldn't surprise you if they're good. I think they have the widest range of outcomes. Of any of the teams in the top six, to me, I could see Texas Tech finishing seventh or eighth. I could also see them finishing you know, in third place. Uh, yeah. They're the team that I'm having the, the toughest time figuring out. And it is because they have all the new players, and we see a, a good amount of times like coaches who are good at something take over for the guy that left, and they're able to keep the the car going for a short period of time because when they have the right personnel in there, they're still good with maybe the exodus. Like I always think about uh, the Miami head coach, Larry Coker, who took over for, I think it was Butch Davis. And he was the head coach for that like O2 national title team or Euro one or whatever it was that people consider like one of the greatest college football teams of all time. Larry Coker, like a handful of years later is fired from the team. Um, it was like a situation where, Butch Davis helped build it, and he was good enough to sustain it, but he wasn't somebody who could keep it building. And so I wonder if that'll be the case for Mark Adams, that like he's good enough to sustain what Chris Beard left him with, but the longer it goes where they have to have more and more new players, he's not as good at that. I, I don't know. That could be right. That could be wrong. He could have emerged as a star last year or not. We'll, we'll wait and see. Um, but they're not one that I would pick there. TCU, I think, will be really good this season, but I think it's more going to be in the ilk of because I still have questions about their shot making. Mike Miles is not very efficient. He'll hit tough shots and he'll go on some hot streaks, but overall not very efficient. They don't yeah, have a He's been kind of a hot name for like player of the year, but I I don't, get. I, I don't yeah, I don't see it either really. Shot 29% from 3 last year, 38 from the field. I would assume that gets better this year, but again, it's it's more of Yeah, I mean, if you give me a basketball and let me shoot a thousand times, <laughs> I'm going to score some points too. Right. So I, I, I have questions about their three-point shooting and, and their ability to be a, a shooting team as a whole. I think they're going to be good enough defensively with Lampkin inside, and, and they have enough interesting pieces. They have that identity of being really good getting to the glass that I think they'll be really good, and the floor's really high there. I just envision them being like a, a four or five seed in the NCAA tournament, being a good team that, that gives a lot of people problems in the Big 12, but I don't actually see them being the team that – because what you said earlier, one of the biggest things is avoiding like the bad losses and – um. A lot of times, Kansas will avoid those, and the other teams will not. Yes, and that's how I view TCU. Like, like TCU they're going to be could lose to Iowa. State yes, like TCU will, uh, could split with Kansas and Baylor, and then they'll, like you <laughs> said, they'll lose to Kansas State and Oklahoma or something. Whereas yeah. Baylor might sweep both those teams or something like that. So uh, that's how I view them. Texas is the one. You're right. Uh, apparently, in their secret scrimmage, they. Uh, beat the brakes off of. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm so tired of secret scrimmages because they're not too. secret. Yeah, no, they're number not. one. They're not secret, and number two, what? What? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. No, I, 
I do think they have a ton of talent. It's just can Chris Beard get it all to work together because a lot of it plays the same position. So you have Tyrese Hunter and Marcus Carr, which I think both guys can play off each other well, but how will that chemistry work? Because you never do truly know. Uh, you bring on a couple like top 20 recruits who it might help them that they're both athletic and, and maybe known for like Dylan Mitchell is is known for being like a really good defender and not somebody who needs to score the basketball, so maybe that helps him fit in. Uh, Timmy Allen was really good, especially against Kansas last season. They have the talent that that, that would be a team that I would kind of circle there. Now, yeah. one that I know some people are really high on this year is Oklahoma State. They were picked to finish sixth in the conference, and that was a team who had the number two defense in the Big 12 last year, only behind Texas Tech. But the offense was really bad for them. They return a good amount. They bring on some interesting transfers and, and new players. Maybe they have a breakout year from Bryce Thompson, the former five-star, and, and Jayhawk himself. I think they have dark horse potential to sneak into that top four. I could also see them finishing seventh. They're kind of in the same ilk as Texas Tech to me. Yeah, I, yeah I mean, there are a lot of questions about about that team and, and what they're going to do. And uh, we're at one area where there, I don't think there's any questions is we pretty much know who the bottom dwellers are, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be Iowa State, K-State, and West Virginia probably, right? Yeah. And, and again, maybe if, if Oklahoma State or Texas Tech, uh, it doesn't mesh as well as we might think, then maybe you could get one of those schools like an Iowa State or or, or something Oklahoma to, to boost up into the, the fifth or sixth place spot. I think if I was picking one among the quote-unquote bottom four, it'd probably be Iowa State. Like they surprised a lot of people last year. We just know the floor for them yeah, with but what they their defense can lot, be. They right? did, they did, but then they picked it back up. And, they started and made the, the year. 16. They started the year like twelve and zero, I think. Right? Yeah, they went. I think they went undefeated in the non-con, and they went like six and twelve or yeah, seven and eleven they, in conference play. Got, they kind of got wrecked in conference play. Yeah, and and that's just kind of the life in the Big Twelve. But I, I think <laughs> so. They bring in a transfer from St. Bonaventure, who is one of the best shot blockers in the country. They already had a really good defensive scheme with really good ball pressure last year. Now you add one of the better shot blockers in the country inside. I think they're going to have one of the two or three best defenses in the conference, and I think that raises their floor enough that, yes, no more Isaiah Brockington, who is so good at hitting tough shots, no more Tyrese Hunter, who could get them in the right stuff offensively, that the offense, I think, is going to keep them back. But they're a team that, if Texas Tech or Oklahoma State finishes outside the top six, they're the one I'm circling to move up. West Virginia, you never know. Bob Huggins is the coach. I don't love the roster, but yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. Kansas State is interesting because it seems like we've taken the step too far and that a lot of K-State fans are expecting this to be a possible tournament team. Yeah, there's there seems to be a lot of internal hype. Yes, and, and there is that. some talent like Keontae uh, Johnson, the, the former SEC Player of the Year, but you know he, he hasn't played basketball in over a year after having like the, the heart condition or whatever it was that caused yeah. him to like pass out on the court. So I, I don't know how much you can count on him. I... I don't know. I'm not. I'm not quite there with Kansas State. I don't think they're the worst team in the Big Twelve, but I think they're probably still like ninth. Is Oklahoma the worst team in the Big Twelve? No, I actually. I, I think West Virginia is the worst. I would okay. go K State ninth. I probably go Oklahoma eighth. But Oklahoma to me, like, they bring in some interesting scores on the outside. Porter Mosier usually has a good defense. If he gets the offense going with Tanner Groves and the kid from Nevada, then maybe they can be sixth or seventh. So I, yeah. I really think the way I view it. I think Baylor and Kansas, like the floor you would put for either team. For Baylor, 
like probably the floor is second place, the ceiling's first. For Kansas, the ceiling is first. The floor is probably this year fourth, maybe. Yeah, there's a lot of teams that have good defenses or mm-hmm. good defensive schemes or good defensive coaches in the Big 12. But It's going to be another great yeah. scoring is going to be another question. Which right? is how it was last year. Because like, we assume Kansas' defense is going to be really good, mm-hmm. but... Where where would where's Kansas defense going to rank in the Big Twelve? Yeah, that's Are they the going to be a top three. It could be defense? fourth, right? Like if Texas Tech was the best defense last year, Oklahoma State was a top five defense last year. Uh, Iowa State could be the third best defense. What well, Kansas like could be figure, the fourth best? You figure Kansas defense is going to be good? Yeah, I but think like, it will be. Yeah, but like. Like you just said, I mean, there's other teams that are going to be probably just as good, if not better. Yeah. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Coming up, Scott Wright of the Oklahoman at the top of the 4 o'clock hour here on RCST. 4 o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. You can tune in to the KU Oklahoma State game on Saturday, pregame at 1 o'clock. We're going to have our extended local pregame show out of Big Mill from noon to 1 and then kick off here at 2.30 right here on KLWN. We're joined by Scott Wright, who covers Oklahoma State and their football team for the Oklahoman to preview the Oklahoma State side of things coming into this game. Scott, appreciate you joining us today. Uh, I guess I'll just rip the Band-Aid right off the bat. What what seems to be the latest with uh, the update on, on Spencer Sanders? Well, it's, it, you know, Mike Gundy, especially, now Mike Gundy never likes talking about injuries, uh, but you can get little things here and there from him over the years. Uh, but as soon as his quarterback is involved, things lock down really quickly. <laughs> so it's been really tough to get much in the way of information about where Spencer Stan- Sanders stands with this shoulder injury. But a lot of signs are pointing to him likely not playing this week, and the possibility that he's done for the season is still looming out there. So we'll see what happens this week, but it, it certainly has a feel like he's he's not going to be available this week. But uh, you know, he went the entire TCU week without practicing, and then and then popped up on Saturday and and played. Not uh, not his best game, but he was out there. So uh, we'll see what happens for sure. Probably a couple hours before kickoff on Saturday. Uh, but just based on my experience covering this team over the last six years, it feels like Spencer Sanders probably won't play this week. Well, it's certainly been interesting because um, you know here locally we're going through some of the same stuff and. I, I just wonder to what degree, because you never know, uh, here locally we had Jason Bean out at the media availability instead of Jalen Daniels, and, and we saw around the Big 12, like Dylan Gabriel warmed up for the uh, uh, the Texas game, but then ended up not playing. Like, what is truth and what is maybe just the coaches trying to put something out there to try to get some sort of advantage on the opponent for making them think, this guy's going to play or this guy's not going to play and now you've prepared for something else, and, and this happens. Uh, could you see that being something that, that would happen here where, you know, you, you heard Mike Gundy earlier this week say, well, he's not going to practice this week, but we hope he's back for the game just to try to get Kansas to, to maybe spend some extra time preparing for Spencer Sanders, even if he can't play? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mike Gundy is, uh, like I said, he doesn't like talking about injuries. He's certainly going to uh, uh, be willing to bluff on the side of confidence. And uh, so it's it's not unlike him to to speculate that someone might be able to play when he knows full well they're not. So uh, I, I definitely would not put that past him. I'm not saying that's what he did here, uh, but I wouldn't put it past him just to uh, to give the illusion for Kansas to know that that Sanders might be there. Uh, 
you know, and and when he started talking about backup quarterbacks, he was asked multiple times uh, about backup quarterbacks. Say, well, let me rephrase that. He was asked multiple times about his son, who is number two on the depth chart, and. Even in discussing that, he brought up the idea that Garrett Rangel, the number three quarterback, could be in the mix at, at some point if Sanders isn't able to play. So, um, you know, whether that's uh, the truth of the situation or that's just him bluffing at the idea that uh, to make Kansas think that it could be one of three guys coming out on Saturday, it's hard to say at this point. So it's it's really hard to know based on, on what he's saying, uh, but but no, to answer your question, it's it's completely possible that, that he knows the, the exact situation and just isn't letting the cat out of the bag at this point. Yeah, it's certainly interesting with the uh, media warfare, as I call it, from the coaches. Uh, <laughs> how much How much does the uh, – obviously the offense isn't as good without Spencer Sanders, but how much does it schematically or the play calling, does it change when he is not on the field, Spencer Sanders, that is? I apologize. I lost you for a second there because you asked the last part of that again. Yeah, how much does the offense just kind of change when Spencer Sanders can't go? Like, what would you expect it to look like if he isn't able to play Saturday? In terms of of how the offense looks, either Gunnar Gundy or Garrett Rangel has they have they have similar skill sets. They're they both have decent speed. Not Spencer Sanders' speed. He is a a uh, he doesn't get a lot of credit for how good a runner he is, uh, but very dangerous running the ball. Uh, Gundy and, and Rangel can uh, can move around and, and do some things. They're not on that level, uh, so there's a little bit less of a threat there. Um, and beyond that, it's just the depth of the playbook uh, that you can go into com- with a you know uh, a fifth year senior who is a fourth year starter versus a redshirt freshman or a true freshman who's been on campus since January. So that's the uh, the only real change. The uh, the schemes don't really change that much based on on who's at quarterback is just the depth that they can go into the playbook and and you know what they can ask the quarterback to do based on experience level. We're talking with Scott Wright of the Oklahoman here on RCST. Did the Kansas State game last week, did that just feel like a bad game where the opponent played really well, or do you think there were some things that maybe were exposed a little bit on the Oklahoma State side? Uh, you know, there was there was a little bit of both. I don't know that Kansas State could have played a whole lot better than they played uh, with Will Howard at quarterback doing the things that they did, uh, you know, gashing them in the run game, hitting some big passes in, in crucial situations, scoring on so many big plays. Uh, but it's raising a, uh, a real red flag about this defense for sure. They've given up seven touchdowns of over 30 yards in the last two games. That's a, an alarming number. And they're giving up more rushing yards per game uh, than they have uh, going all the way back to 2020. So, uh, you know, this this defense has some uh, some some serious weapons, particularly on the defensive line. Those have been negated the last few weeks. They've only got two sacks over the last three games. So there's some stuff that, that opponents are seeing in how to attack this defense that are really beginning to work and, and cause a lot of problems for them, uh, whether it's, you know, getting the ball out quick so that, you negate some of the pass rush or uh, or finding mismatches where uh, a linebacker ends up in coverage. For instance, on one of the touchdowns last week, you had a, a linebacker covering Deuce Vaughn in a uh, in a passing situation. So and uh, and that's just not going to be a favorable matchup for for you as a linebacker there. So there there are things that offenses are learning how to do against his defense to negate its strengths and attack its weaknesses really well. With the running game for Oklahoma State, it feels like 
every year for a while there with Mike Gundy, whether it was Justice Hill or, or whoever, there was like a star running back and a running game that could just gash you all day long, and even last season. Uh, but this year, the, the running game hasn't gotten going maybe as much. Are they confident they can get that figured out uh, against the Kansas run defense this year that really has struggled the past few games, or is that something, too, that feels like it's just not the same this year? It's, it was definitely not the same. You look at uh, running backs that they've had over the last you know six or seven years. Chris Carson just recently t- retired because of a neck injury. Justice Hill is, is still in the league, even though he's dealing with some, some injury issues. Chuba Hubbard is in the, the running back committee that's uh, out there at Carolina now. And, and Jalen Warren is, is working himself into carries as the number two back at Pittsburgh behind Najee Harris. So they've had some really talented backs. And and now they've got they've they've got they don't have guys that are uh, that are ready that are ready to be drafted right now. They you know maybe by the end of their careers they're at that point, but today they're not guys that you look at and say yeah he's he's going to the NFL. So they've got to make up for that somehow. Um, you ask how confident they are. I, uh, that's hard to say. They obviously act confident about it, but I know it's very concerning, particularly when you look like last week or the week before their struggles to run the game against a light box. Kansas State would put would put six guys in the box and go stop the run, and that made it even more difficult on Spencer Sanders to throw the ball. So when you can't run against a light box or run favorable box, it gets really difficult to move the offense at all. Now if you possibly mix in a backup quarterback as well it gets really scary Oklahoma State runs the fifth most plays per game of any team in the country and tempo gave Kansas a ton of problems a couple weeks ago against Oklahoma if Spencer Sanders can't go I guess back to kind of the style of the offense would you expect them to still go that fast or could you see them maybe slowing it down a bit I think it's a very good chance that they that they try to slow it down uh, even though, like you said, Kansas hasn't uh, hasn't been great at it when they when they've seen some real tempo, it's just not something that I think they would be comfortable putting either Gunnar Gundy or Garrett Rangel in in that situation. Those guys don't run it a ton. They haven't been running it, you know, the last few years the way that Spencer Sanders has in practice. So they don't have the experience level to go out there and and get guys lined up and and get get the play called and make the right read the way that they need to. So I could see them, them slowing things down a little bit. Now they will, they will do some things where they, uh, you know, they line up quickly and then, uh, and then get the check with me over to the sidelines just to, uh, you know, no subs. So that the defense can't sub try to do some of those things. Uh, but I think, I don't think you'll see the, uh, the real hurry up where you're, uh, where you're spotting the ball, snapping it and going really quickly. Is there anything that sticks out to you in this matchup, uh, whether it's Oklahoma State that could give Kansas troubles or Kansas could do well that gives Oklahoma State troubles that uh, you think could have a, a big impact on the result on Saturday? You know, one thing that we haven't really talked about is uh, is Oklahoma State's ability to stop the run. That's something that's uh, that's been on the decline here here lately. So, um, you know, now they're, they're coming off back-to-back games against Bijan Robinson and Deuce Vaughn, so that's one thing. But uh, Kansas averaging 5.5 yards per rush, that's a, a scary number for, for the Oklahoma State defense now because they, that's about what they've been giving up per, uh, you know, each each of the last three games against TCU, Texas, and Kansas State. So 
um, you know, and they were uh, they were not giving up those kinds of numbers, uh, you know, the la- last year or earlier this season. So that's a uh, that's a concerning thing. I know that you know Kansas ne- doesn't necessarily have the star power that you talk about with Robinson or Vaughn, but they've got really efficient guys running, and obviously whatever happens, the quarterback could could change that as well. Scott, we, we had a lot of talk about the quarterback situation for Oklahoma State, but obviously Kansas is kind of dealing with the same thing where maybe there's a possibility Jalen Daniels plays versus Jason Bean. Do you think the Oklahoma State defense would change anything strategy-wise based off of what Kansas might do at the quarterback position? I don't think so, uh, just because Mike Gundy doesn't like to uh, to add too much to the mind of a, of a defensive player. He wants to focus on the schemes and and the similarities based on regardless who the quarterback is competing against the the scheme and the and the type of plays that a defense runs obviously with Daniels the uh, the run threat is more significant so i think they prepare more for for that than they do necessarily what you're talking about with Bean so i i think that uh, that they'll be prepared mostly for a Jalen Daniels offense but Understand that the concepts are are very similar between the two. Whether you've uh, whether you end up with Daniels or being at quarterback, he is Scott Wright. You can check out all his work in the Oklahoman. He writes for the Oklahoma State football team. Scott, appreciate the time. And if you're going to be in Lawrence this week, feel free to reach out about any uh, recommendations for what to do in town. I'm going to need some help, so I appreciate it, guys. Love it. Well, that's Scott Wright. Scott, appreciate it again. Thanks, guys. All right. Scott Wright of the Oklahoma joining us here to uh, preview Oklahoma State. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. Let's get on to our college basketball season betting preview. That on the other side. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson here on KLWN and... Uh, coming up at the 5 o'clock hour, we've got some Mellow Dotson audio to get to. We're out early today at 5.30 for pregame coverage of Kansas and Pittsburgh State with tip-off at 7 o'clock here right here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. We did this for the college football season, NFL season. I believe uh, next Monday is the first day of the entire college basketball season as a whole. Remember when they used to do like the 24-hour marathon? Of college basketball? Yeah. To start the season? Yeah. I do you not remember that? I don't remember that. They, they used to do that, and it was like, so they'd have like Hawaii would be like the game that'd be on at like, I don't know, three in the morning for us would be Hawaii because that'd be like a night game for them. But then like some unlucky teams would like catch the short end of the stick and have to play at like 8 a.m. or something. Oh. It was like a 24-hour marathon. It was a lot of fun. I wish I they did that. that uh, well, I Sorry. wish they did it still. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, so that starts up on Monday, and KU's first game is against Omaha. You can also hear that here on KLWN. Nick and Scott are going to have tickets with the 105.9 KISS crew at a big mill before the KU football game to that Omaha game. You're not going to want to miss the season opener. New video, I would imagine, with, yep. with some of the NCAA yep. tournament they actually, stuff. They played it at late night. Okay, I was going to say they'll probably play it tonight too. But it could be your first chance of seeing the video. And <laughs> they're giving out pieces of the court from the Final Four. So you definitely don't want to miss that game. Get your free tickets by going to the... I don't know how... Have you decided like how you want to give those away? Are you going to do like a the trivia tickets? question, just put it on the wheel or what? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, There's only one pair. Question. Yeah, we could do a question. You have to make it a hard question. Yeah. Something people can't look up. Oh Well, we would stand there right next to them. Right. So if they looked it up, we'd That's be true. like, you're That's disqualified. True. Yeah. 
You get one guess <laughs> and you're gone. You get 30 seconds. So you can think of it whatever way you want to give away. But we'll, we'll there's your chance. There's we'll, your chance. We'll, we'll think of something. And worst case, even if you don't get the tickets, you spin the prize wheel. It's on the corner of Ninth and Mississippi where oh, Big yeah. Mill is. Yeah. You can get all sorts of free stuff. Like we have t shirts, yelling koozies. at each other about something, I'm sure, <laughs> on the air. There we go. Love it. Uh, yeah, you can hear that on KLWN. So our college basketball betting preview for the season. We're going to pick who's going to win the ACC, Big East, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, SEC. So the Power Five plus in basketball, we we loop in the Big East. And then yeah. you can pick one other league, whichever league you want okay. of the ones that are available. Our odds are coming from DraftKings. We're also going to pick the Wooden Award winner, uh, who's going to make the Final Four, and we're going to get one championship pick in there. And uh, I should mention, again, like I like to say this before all the betting previews. This isn't necessarily what we would just pick straight up. You do have to put in mind the value of the odds. Like for instance, if you were just asking me, you know, like who's going to who's going to win the WCC? Exactly. <coughs> like exactly. I'm going of but course like, I'm going to say exactly. they're like minus 2000. Exactly. So I might just be like, "Yeah, oh, I'll throw a couple dollars on is like BYU and St. Mary's is second with BYU at 16 to 1." Like for the value, maybe I'll go with one of those. Yeah. Ones, although I probably still wouldn't because Gonzaga is just going to win the conference. But that's kind of the point of what you're talking about. So let's start with the ACC. Who do you like in the ACC? Uh, I'm going to go with Duke for the ACC at plus 240. They've got a the best freshman class, I think, in a long time, right? They've got a ton of talented guys. No more Coach K, so I don't have to pick against them every time they do anything <laughs> because I don't like Coach K. <laughs> So I'll ride with Duke at, at plus 240. Plus 240, I mean, it's Duke. Come on. Yeah, that, that one was certainly interesting for the value because I thought they'd be a little closer maybe to North Carolina, who's plus 140. I really thought about taking Virginia at 7-1. to one. Virginia, when they're right, is the team that usually does the best in the regular season. I just think North Carolina is going to be kind of a wagon this year. So I'm going to take North Carolina plus 140. Okay. I'll just be boring on that one. No, that's fine. Big East. All right, Big East. I'm going to go with UConn, plus 500. Uh, I really like Bobby Hurley, their coach. Or is it Dan Hurley? Which Hurley is their coach? They have Dan. Bobby is the one at Arizona State. Okay, Dan. I wanted to get that right. You love him so much that you don't even know who he is. I can't remember his name. (laughs) That's how much I like him. But, yes, I think I'm going to go with UConn at plus 500. Plus, the Big East is like, there's a lot of pretty good teams, and I feel like this is pretty good odds for UConn. I'm, I'm going with UConn. I like that pick a lot. UConn, I think, is going to have a really good defense. Uh, the big man inside is one of the best players in the conference and can anchor that defense. Uh, they have a guard who I think is going to really break out. I thought about going with Creighton, but... Yeah, they're uh, the favorites. UConn. I would have been yeah, more I know. inclined... I, exactly. I would have gone with Creighton, too. If, if they, they were like 250 exactly. or 300. If they weren't the favorites. I think they're, they're that team that might have... like Because um, now, now I feel like Creighton might be a letdown team. Yes, Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly where I'm at. Like, that's I think, what you're thinking? I, I think they'll still be a good team. They're going to be good, you know, but I don't but think they're going to be. people are like, oh, they're my exactly. Dark Horse title like, winner. all of a sudden, no. everyone's like, oh, my God, Creighton. Yeah. Oh, my God. And Creighton, then they'll get Creighton. a five seed and they'll lose in the second round. Yes. Solid season, but nothing special. Exactly. Uh, I thought about taking the UConn one. The Xavier one is interesting because they won the NIT, which has actually, like, translated to teams win the NIT, and then they have really good seasons the next year. I think TCU was the last example of that. Sean Miller, the new head coach. But I'm, I'm going to go Villanova. I think they're being slept on. Obviously, no Jay Wright, but you can get a bit plus 250. I thought going into this, Villanova and Creighton were going to be swapped. Because Villanova's at plus 250, something I talked about earlier in the show at the Big 12 preview. Okay. Sometimes you have coaches who maybe aren't as good at 
keeping the building part of the program going. Sure. But they can at least sustain it when the players are intact. That's what you think is happening. I think that's what's going to happen at Villanova. I think Villanova will still be really good this year. They have all the culture there with still all the players. And then maybe a few years down the line, it slowly dissipates for what they were with Jay Wright. So for now, I love taking Villanova plus 250. That might be my favorite of any of these. Okay. Who do you like in the Big Ten? Uh, I was kind of torn on the Big Ten, actually. There's a, I think there's a couple of a couple of decent options in terms of value. I was looking at Purdue plus 700 or even uh, Michigan or Michigan State, either one of those. But I ultimately settled on Illinois. I'm going to go with Illinois. I, I like Illinois. I like what they do. And I think that uh, you get really good value with them at plus 550. The favorite is Indiana, which I don't really yeah. know why. What has Indiana done that's making you think they're going to be the, the tournament last year and then got beat by Wyoming? No, no, they beat Wyoming in the first four. And then they got crushed by St. Mary's. Um, yeah, yeah I, so I'm not buying into that. I'm hype really either. interested in Purdue, but I decided to go with Illinois. I like that one so much that I'm going to do it too. Plus 550. <laughs> but I, I do think this is the conference where you could get away with a value pick. Yes. Wisconsin at 18 to 1. Yeah, like that's, that's a lot of pretty high. There. Ohio State at 11 to 1. Value there. Yeah. Michigan yeah. State. I mean, we know that Tom Izzo Tom figures Izzo, things right? out, right? Yeah. And they, they might have the best backcourt the in that is, league. Is, like, Michigan State, is what they're going to do is they're going to finish like fourth and be like a sixth <laughs> and then go on the run, run of the tournament. Yeah. yeah, so I'm not going to bet on that. Purdue I love because they have Zach Eady at 7-4. Yeah. That's the classic Purdue. We have a big man who's going to be the best big man in the league. We don't necessarily have the – like I think the fact that, oh, they lost Jaden Ivey is, is gotten people to be like, oh, how can they be bad? A lot of the past Purdue teams outside of that one and like the Carson Edwards team – we're good despite having yes. like not having that elite like point. Yeah, normally guard. they haven't had that. No, actually. it's like they have a good the big man. The fact that they had Jaden Ivey was kind of like the outlier of how they normally yeah. are. Yeah, they have a good big man, and then they have wings who are like white guys who just make a bunch of threes. Like <laughs> exactly. seriously, yes. that's so. Like no, I, I agree. I love that bet at plus seven hundred. I like Michigan too at plus four fifty. I think yeah. they're going to be really good this year. Yeah, uh, but Illinois at plus five fifty. I think they're going to have a lot of versatile, switchable wings. Coleman Hawkins, breakout player at the center position. Yeah, I'll go with Illinois with you at plus five fifty. Uh, over to the Big 12. I know we talked about this earlier, so if who would be your official you're going to give me Kansas, I'm going to take Kansas. Plus 215, lock it in. Yeah, that was I, – I was really close to taking Kansas just because I, I've said it before. And honestly, I probably will put money on Kansas <laughs> because, like you said, if you're giving Kansas at, at over plus 200 to yes. ever win the Big 12, you just take it. Yes. It's just a blind bet, so I will end up putting money on them. But I, I am going to go with Texas at plus 350. I just think the talent's there that maybe the, the odds being a little further down, I can get some good value there. Okay. okay. Uh, Pac-12. Pac-12 is interesting. Uh, again, I mean, I don't understand why UCLA is favored. I, I I do. I mean, they're co-favorites with Arizona. They're tied, to so be I, I pay I went with Arizona, plus 190. Yeah. I, just, I mean, you got Oregon at plus 500, USC at plus 850, but, like, I, I mean... I don't know, man. I just I'm just gonna go with Arizona. I really thought about taking Oregon at five to one, but they're kind of in the same ilk. Like they're the they're the Michigan State of the Pac-12 to me. That they might finish third or fourth in the Pac-12, they have a good and then run. they go. Yeah, they yeah. have a good run in in March and whatnot. With with UCLA Arizona, it's super interesting. Arizona loses Benedict Matherin. You lose. Um, Oh, gosh, what's the name of the big man? Christian Coloco, and then they had another guy who was drafted in the first round. I can't remember his name, uh, but on the wing. They lost a lot from last year's team, but it was really good. And you come back, Sabellis, or Tabellis inside is a really good big man. 
I don't necessarily love, love that Arizona team. UCLA, I think Jaime Hawkins is absolute star. I wouldn't be shocked if he's a first-team All-American. I think Tiger Campbell is super underrated. He's one of the five best point guards in the country, and they've been recruiting I, really I like well. I just because the name's Tiger. Yeah, that, that is a fun name. I, I think that UCLA, like, a lot of people are down on UCLA, I feel like, this year because of the fact that so obviously last year they were the team that got the preseason boost. They yes. were the team that that was sexy after the run that they made to the final four. Yep. And a lot of people were like, "Well, hey, they were in the first four. They were an 11 seed." And they ended up like finishing around in line with what like Ken Palm predicted them as. They were still like a top 15 team. They made the Sweet 16 and everything, but they didn't have that season that some people were projecting to be like, "Oh, they're going to be a national title winner, a national yeah. title favorite." Yeah. And so a lot of people felt disappointed from that when they still had like a pretty good season so all things considered. So now you think it's going to be like the opposite effect. Well, no, I I just think that they're going to take another be, step forward. People think they're going to be bad now, but they're actually yeah. going to be good. Well, a little I mean, bit. I mean, obviously they don't think they're going to be bad if they're co right. to win the league, but but I think they could be a top five team in the country okay. is where I'm at. And okay. I think Arizona's top 25 team, but I'm not sold on where they're at this year. So I'll go UCLA plus 190. SEC is our final uh, of the main ones. Yeah, I, I decided to go with Arkansas here. I can't pick John Calipari. I can't do it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, John. I hope John listens to the show because I just want to clown on him all the time. Wow. So, John, you suck. Well, they're, pl- they're no, plus 180. I no, I don't know. Okay. So I decided to go with Arkansas. You're getting I, double the odds. Tennessee was looking pretty nice, but I saw that you picked Tennessee, so I decided I wanted to be different from you, so I picked Arkansas. And also, how can you go wrong with the Muslim? Come on. Yeah, he's he's done a great job. Back-to-back Elite Eights. They have a bunch of good freshmen and transfers coming in, so not the craziest thing in the world. I was tempted by Florida at 18-1. to 1. Colin Castleton back. I, I think they're going to be really good this year. New coach from San Francisco. He kind of does the, the money ball, the analytics stuff. So I really like what Florida can be this year. Alabama at 8-1 is interesting to me. Uh, I still am uh, part of the NATO. It's bandwagon. But, yeah, I am going to go Tennessee. I, I think that if Tennessee and Kentucky were, like, closer to even, I would take Kentucky. But the fact that you're getting Tennessee at basically double the odds of Kentucky. Tennessee brought a lot back. They have a really good defense. Rick Barnes will probably choke in March Madness, but this is a regular yep. season pick for the SEC. So yep. give me Tennessee at plus 350. Uh, you can pick any other league that's available on dude, DraftKings. This is so tough. Yeah, there's a I'm lot that are the, just like, there's a clear uh, favorite. Like the AAC. Yeah, dude. Like, I, I'm going to take Gonzaga minus 1600. Yeah. Houston's minus 360. Houston? I don't even see Houston on here. Uh, they're they in the American top. at minus 360. Oh, here we go. Um, you yeah, can but, also yeah, get I mean, somebody from the Atlantic I mean, like, 10. Memphis plus 700 to win the American? Like,. I don't know, I, I guess. Well, I mean, the beauty of these regular season bets is that if, like, Houston could be the great... much far better team, but if if Memphis plays, a, I don't know how the schedules work, play an easier schedule, and they just tie. They share the league title. Yeah. You win the bet, I believe. Yeah, uh, yeah, I I guess. Or, like, a Mountain West. Like, Wyoming made the tournament last year. That so would be one that like, caught my eye. Right, I'm San go Diego State's a plus 100. They should be pretty good this year, but Wyoming, I think, could at least get, like, a share for I the conference. I am locking in Wyoming. I like that one. Yeah, plus 425 for Wyoming. I'm going to go to the Atlantic 10, where Dayton is plus 200. We saw Dayton obviously beat Kansas last year, and they really finished the season strong. They didn't end up making the uh, NCAA tournament, but they were just outside of it, and they bring like all their players back. They were a really young team a season ago. Deron Holmes is an absolute beast inside. I like Dayton at 2-1. to one. Okay. Let's go to the uh, ward portion, portion of this. Do you want to do one or two? Do you want to do like one favorite and one, because uh, we're going to do this for the title, 
And you get one, um, one long shot? Yeah, whatever you want to do, man. Let's do that. It's your betting segment. You get two bets. You can do whatever you want with them. All right, hold on. Let me... Where, is I'll go first, then. Um, so, I... I had trouble with the guys at the top. Like, Drew Timmy at plus 650. Yeah, I mean... Oscar Sheebway, I think, would be probably the safest bet. He would, but he just won it, and we get voter fatigue. Yeah. We just do. Yeah. I guess with, that's fair. With Drew Timmy, what else is he going to do that he hasn't already done and he hasn't won this award? You know what I mean? Like, he, yeah. he could put up 25 points, but they're just going to yeah. be like, ah, oh, he's doing the WCC. He's already, he's already grown a full beard. He's yeah. already done the mustache. <laughs> he's already done the headband. He's already done. I mean, what else, what else can like the guy do? with him. So yeah, like, what what I, else I think, can the guy do? I think he'll be a first-team All-American and, and be a great player, have a great season, but I don't know. I might not see him winning this award. Armando Baycott at 9-1 to is super interesting. North Carolina has the story there. He could put up the big numbers. I really like that one. Marcus Sasser at 12 to 1 is interesting because I think Houston will be really good. I told you I liked Jaime Hawkes at 15 to 1. Yeah. I'm going to actually do it with Jalen Wilson. 18 to 1, I think, okay. is really good odds. If you're basically saying, I don't know, his odds are, are double that of what Armando Baycott has, like Kansas very easily, this is what Bill Self does, could win the Big 12, get a one or a two seed. Jalen Wilson could have that, that jump in play and average 17 and 9. And he's got a good chance to win this award. So I like those odds at 18 to 1. And then if I'm going for someone further down the list to take someone else, Tiger Campbell at 30 to 1 is certainly interesting. I mentioned him. How about Zach Eady at 35 to 1 that he could put up just like mega stats? Um, but yeah. I'm going to go with also Keontae George for Baylor at 60 to 1. I'm going to go with Matt Bradley at 60 to 1 from San Diego State. San Diego State has okay. a uh, chance of being one of those like special mid majors this year that works their way to the two or three seed. They only lose like two or three games in the regular season. And if they do that, Matt Bradley's going to get a lot more pub. And San Diego State's not a team that has a ton of great offensive options this season. Matt Bradley can light it up. I could see Matt Bradley putting up big-time numbers this year and being kind of around that conversation. Okay. I decided to go with Hunter Dickinson from Michigan as my first I pick, like that one a lot. Uh, because he's, he's the epitome of just a really, really, really good college basketball player. Like, he's probably not going to do very well in the NBA here or have a great NBA career, but he's just a really, really good college basketball player. So I think he's got a pretty good chance. He's at 18-1, to 1, so he's at the same odds as, as Jalen Wilson, which I, I think is pretty good. So I, I went with him as my standard pick. For my long shot pick... I was looking at this list. I mean, you mentioned Tiger Campbell. I think that could be a good one. Um, maybe one of the guys from Duke, Derek Lively or, or Derek Whitehead, one of those guys. At eighty, those are eighty to one though. That's so that's so long. Uh, oh boy, Mike Miles if he shoots ten thousand shots a game. See, but that's not a bad one because you know he's gonna get the shot. No, volume I know. I, I might go with it if he just has an efficient. He's gonna shoot season, it fifty times a right? game. He could put up 22, and if TCU yes. wins the Big 12, he's going to get all sorts of luck. I'll go with Mike Miles. Okay. I'll lock it in. Mike Miles at 50-1. to 1. All right. I don't I don't mind that one at all. Uh, okay, let's let's do our final four picks. Okay. Uh, Kansas, obviously, plus 450. Mm-hmm. Give, me, give me the Hawks. Uh, I went with Illinois, plus 1,100. I think that's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Arizona, plus 750. And Tennessee, plus 900. But then I remembered you mentioned you get the, <laughs> you get the Rick Barnes... You get the Rick yeah. Barnes curse, well, you so I'm not with, as confident in that how one. How about this? You picked UConn to win the Big East. You can go with UConn, UConn to make the Final Four at, at yeah. plus right. 2,000. Right, I think. switch to UConn. And I, I almost took UConn. UConn as well, so I like that one for you there. Uh, I will go with Kentucky. I think they are my preseason tie. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, you I, could go with, like, 
you know, Gonzaga or whatever, but I just, uh, I don't know. No, I'm not going to pick Kentucky to win the title. I have too many questions about their shooting. I do think they're going to be really good, though, so I'll take them at plus 330. I'll take Gonzaga at plus 330. It's not even that I think Gonzaga is going to do it, but, like, what do we know about Gonzaga? They're going to get a one seed because they're going to win all these games. Yes. And so if you're giving me a one seed to make the Final Four, it just makes me feel better about oh. the bet, I guess. UMBC could be out there. Uh, Baylor at 5-1. to one. I think they're going to get a one seed this year. Yeah, uh, You're getting them a little further down than the prices of Gonzaga and Houston and Kentucky and North Carolina. Uh, I love their backcourt. They might have the best backcourt in terms of scoring in the country, and I think that wins tournament games a lot of times. And then uh, one that I almost picked to win the Big Ten, Michigan at 10-1. to 1. This is basically me hedging the bet that one of Illinois or Michigan just needs to be good for me, and I'll have two different ways <laughs> to, to try to win with them. I think Michigan has a lot of switchable wings this year. Um, I really like this Michigan team. I think they have a lot of talent all over, and uh, Juwan Howard's been recruiting really well over the past couple of years. They got really close to the Final Four a couple of years ago. I'll take Michigan at 10-1. to 1. Championship pick, we're going to do the same as the Wooden Award. You can pick one and then have okay. another like Dark Horse. My lock, absolute guaranteed lock of the century, Kansas, plus 1,300. <laughs> Give me the Jayhawks, baby. Come on. And then Nobody my... will question if you're a homer or not with some of these. <laughs> my Dark Horse pick is Michigan State plus 6,000. You get mm. Tom Izzo in March. He's going to get like a seven seed. He's going to end up playing some crappy mid-major teams on his way. It, you know, the, the 10 seed is going to beat the two seed in, in his region, and he's going to get the easy road. And then everyone's going to say, oh, Tom Izzo's a great March <laughs> coach. And he's going to get to the championship, and I'm going to make a lot of money off it. And everyone's going to be like, well, look at Tom Izzo. He's such a great March, March coach. He had to play a 10 seed, a three seed, and an eight <laughs> seed to win it. Good job, Tom Izzo. Man, this one's high. I thought about Baylor at 15 to 1. Duke at 16 to 1 is really interesting with all the talent they have as freshmen, but I don't want to pick a first year coach. I know uh, Hubert Davis was really close to doing that this past season. Oh, gosh. I'm going to go Gonzaga. I don't feel great about it. But oh, again, the pick. idea that I feel like I just, I feel like they give me a shot at it at 9 to 1, and that would give the Big 12 three consecutive national championship winners when Gonzaga joins the Big 12. So true. continues true. our trend yes. going on there. Yes. Uh, as far as my dark horse goes, Tennessee at 30 to 1 is interesting, but again, Rick Barnes doesn't do well in the tournament, so I don't want to take that. <laughs> um You know what? What? Let's uh whatever. Tennessee at 30 to 1. Okay. We'll so we'll go with the rare off chance that he gets it going and they have enough okay. talent. And this is just one of those years where, you know, sometimes we see athletic departments just have unbelievable seasons. Tennessee, Tennessee football, Kansas, Tennessee basketball. Kansas just is having yeah, exactly. Right I, I wonder what odds you could get on Tennessee to win the, the championship in football and basketball parlayed. Oh. Like, would that be like 1,000 to 1? Probably a lot, yes. Maybe not that much, but it'd certainly be at least like 100 to 1. All right, that is our college basketball betting preview for the season. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. Lie detector test. This is RCST. About a quarter till five. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Coming up at five o'clock, we got some mellow dots and audio. Once again, we're out at 530 today. Pre-game coverage for Kansas-Pittsburgh State at 530. Tip-off at 7 o'clock. Tomorrow's show, we'll recap whatever happens tonight and also look ahead to the Oklahoma State game on Saturday in football, which you can also hear here on KLWN. Of course, we've got Lawrence High Football Friday night and going out to Big Mill before the KU football game on Saturday. Nick Springer, Scott Chasen, we're doing a pregame from noon to 1. 
Kiss Crew will be there from noon to 2, handing out all sorts of free goodies. Okay, we have our uh, lie detector test for the day. Some good ones on there. And the first, (laughs) we have right here locally with Bill Self. This was at KU Basketball Media Day talking about Michael Jankovic. Do you try to figure out a way where he could be your ninth man and just come in and hopefully get three looks and a half and make two? That is a direct quote from Bill Self. Do you believe him that Michael Jankovic is in contention to be a part of the rotation, or do you think this is motivation for the other players? I absolutely believe that, yes, this is true. Against Southern Utah, when KU's up by 40, Michael Jankovic will be a part of the rotation 100%. (laughs) This is absolutely true from Bill Self. Yes, I totally believe him. Um, I don't know, because, like, on one hand, KU does need the shooting, and it sounds like he is just, like, playing well. And we've seen other walk-ons work into, like, small roles, so... I don't think he is lying, to be honest, but I do think the main reason he did it was for extra motivation for some of the other players. Okay. That would not be a good sign, though. It would be very bad, yes. Yes, just in terms of, I don't know. It's, it's not like a knock against Michael Jankovic. It, it just would mean that you're very Everybody desperate for three-point shooting and other players have not stepped up just yet. Yeah. Lane Kiffin says that Deion Sanders would do great as the Auburn football head coach. Do you believe him? Uh, I I think so. Um, I think what Deion Sanders has done has been great. Obviously, he's brought a lot of light and publicity to HBCUs and whatnot and everything he's done with Jackson State. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, two weeks ago, there was a, a 60-minute story about Deion Sanders that was really interesting, talking about him being becoming a coach and like what he's done and everything else. Like, It was really fascinating. And I, I thought it was really interesting. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't see any reason why Deion Sanders couldn't become a, a top college coach and i think the question is like would he want to do that i guess like yeah. does, like does Deion sanders care about the money or does he just care about you know uplifting where he's at right now yeah i don't know it's it's impossible to know without getting in his mind i've, I've heard lane kiffin's name floated around with the auburn thing too though so, so is lane just trying to deflect kind of funny is he trying to i deflect? guess so i mean why would you take the auburn job from ole miss is that like that much of a vertical move Oh, it's definitely a vertical move. I, I think, think it is a vertical move, but is it like enough to warrant just leaving and well, pissing off? This a, is a guy who's been at USC, yeah, that's Tennessee, true. left Tennessee Alabama. after like a year, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So, this, I mean, Lane Kiffin, he's a loose cannon. He could do anything. <laughs> so yeah. I don't, I, don't, I honestly, I, I don't believe him because he's Lane Kiffin. Okay. Um, how about this one? This one might be my favorite one of the week. This is the headline. Scuba diver rescued by mermaids off California's Catalina <laughs> Island. Pablo Avila. Wait, is this Florida man madly? Was scuba diving. Uh, this would have been a good one. Pablo <laughs> Avila was scuba diving off California's Catalina Island when he suddenly lost consciousness in the water. His friends immediately sprung into action, swimming over to rescue him when they found themselves surrounded by what appeared to be mermaids. This, according to his friend Javier Claremont. We're pulling him, and we're getting a little winded and a little tired out. And then out of nowhere, a bunch of mermaids show up. (laughs) Do you believe him? This sounds like some guys that may have dabbled in some illegal substances and then went for a swim. And then they started seeing stuff. Right? Uh, What would you do if I told you this was actually a true story? I mean, they, I'm not. They found the mermaids. I'm not a. I'm not opposed to saying that mermaids are real. I'm not opposed to that. It's just another reason why I'm never going to go in the ocean. 
Well, it's actually a professional association of diving instructors advanced mermaid program where they basically are doing stuff in the water and they wear mermaid tails. So- Wait, what? <laughs> Dude. So, I don't believe that part. You don't believe that part? No. So you think they actually were mermaids and I just covering think, it up? I just, I, I, why is there a, a national mermaid man people thing? <laughs> why not? Why? I don't know. People want to dress up and okay. be mermaids. Maybe it helps you swim faster. You got the big tail and you can just flutter around. Well, I'm not a very good swimmer, so I, maybe maybe I need that. Yeah, get a mermaid tail. It'll speed you up a little bit. Kevin Durant on Steve Nash being fired. Quote, you're always shocked when a move like this happens. Okay, buddy. <laughs> okay. You think he's actually shocked? Um, he might be shocked. You know what's hilarious? He no, got fired off a, a win. He got fired off a win. They won. Ah. They won the game. And then they fired him. Should have won by double. Um, Dude, how do you get fired off a win? Dude, there's no way he's shocked by this. No well, chance. Kevin Durant's the one that fired him, right? Well, that's just funny. He was one of the ones that wanted... Uh, Steve Nash there to begin with. Like he's part of the reason he got Listen, fired. NBA or, or hired. coaches don't do anything. Except just, for like the really good ones. <laughs> Put that, that on a t shirt. <laughs> NBA coaches don't do anything. <laughs> dot dot dot. Except for the really good ones. Um I there's no way he was actually I mean what is an NBA this. what do NBA coaches do? Besides like you know I feel like a lot of it honestly is just like babysitting. Hey, that's what that's what I'm In saying. The they don't room, do you know? anything. They don't do anything. Yeah. Like, is Ty Lue a great coach? He uh, won multiple titles with LeBron, didn't he? Right? Yeah. Did, did he do any? Did, is he a great coach? I mean, he's, he's renowned as being a great coach. But, what he, he's doing but that's Clippers. what I'm saying. Is he uh, a great coach? I don't know. That's the point. That's what know. I'm asking. Um, yeah, but yeah, Kevin Durant's lying. He's not <laughs> shocked. And he wanted to see him go, I feel like. Mark Richards and Philip Lopez not knowing they are using illegal bags. So, I should probably give some background to this because yeah, you're probably yeah. wondering what the hell am I I'm talking about. I'm wondering what the hell is going on. A professional cornhole has been rocked by controversy after the top-ranked team was accused of using illegal bean bags at the 2022 American Cornhole League World Championship in August. It is being dubbed Bag Gate, which can we come up with like something, something else besides, besides gate? gate, right? <laughs> um, so Mark Phillips and Philip Lo- or Mark Richards and Philip Lopez were apparently using bags that were smaller than regulation during the finals, which were broadcast live on ESPN. Yeah, I was trying to think, like, like what would make it, what would give you an advantage in terms of bags? Like, I don't he- know. You want heavier bags? I guess the you smaller bags smaller would be more bags beneficial. That, you can, that they can go in, they the, hole in the hole better? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Devin Harbaugh, who I don't know if he's part of the, the illustrious Harbaugh family, uh, or if it's just oh, he's got a relation be. with the name. He's got to be. Quote, he says, um, oh, where did this go? He said, uh, I thought the bags were too thin. And he was right. Officials gathered to inspect the two bean bags from the players, confirmed they were, in fact, not regulation size. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much of a this actually has, but um, they had a one hour delay. Oh ensued before officials determined that the violations were not intentional and decided to continue the competition competition there was a fifteen thousand dollar cash prize at stake wow do you believe that they didn't know that they didn't know probably not i'd say they're lying 
I guess I. I, I mean, feel it's like, bags, man. Like you, right. you have to know. If it, if it were, but if it were like you or me, and we were just like picking up a cornhole set, and we just picked up some bags from I mean, somewhere, yeah, but I, don't we, I would have I no know. idea. Yeah, I would have I would no know. idea. But for these people, who this these is are professional exactly. bag handlers, there's no way they didn't. They know. have bags they in knew. their hands all the time. Exactly. So they they would feel the difference, and also when they're purchasing, like. You, I, I feel like if you're well, in a I, what professional sport, is, why, why isn't, why isn't the, whatever, what's the American, the Cornhole Association, what is ACA? Yeah, I think. Okay, so. why aren't they just giving them official like bags that they that's have a, already? Yeah, that doesn't make like, sense. Why don't too. they just give them the bags? The uniform ones. Yeah. I guess that's part of the game. You can style out your own bags and be whatever way you want. It's a bag. Throw it. Throw you're it. just asking for more of this to happen. No, well, that's uh, dumb. Do you think like we're gonna have a like a, a similar like a corked bat scandal where somebody's gonna put like some sort of different material inside well, okay. the bag that's going to make it more like... you remember that story? I, I think I told you about this. The story of the guy, the fishing guys, they were putting lead balls inside the fish's mouths after they would catch them for fishing competitions oh, to yeah, weigh yeah. them down. Uh-huh. You think, do you think they were lying? Do you think they knew that they were putting lead yes. balls? <laughs> How do you put lead balls in a fish's <laughs> mouth know. accidentally? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. The, you kind of lose your... the lead ball fairy. You kind of lose... Plausible deniability with that one. Yeah, you really do. This one is easier to deny, but I, I still think they kind of knew. Uh, Gonzaga in talks with the Big 12, something we've talked about here. Do you actually believe them? Because they have been in talks with, like, every other conference. They're just kind of the flirt I believe them of the because college basketball Brett world. Yormark is a madman. This guy <laughs> is crazy. He wants to have a Big 12 team in uh, in Germany, in England, and he wants to have the international Big 12. Yeah, I, uh-huh. I believe anything that this guy's doing. No, but see, I believe it from the Big 12's interest, but do you believe Gonzaga would actually join the Big 12? Yeah, money. Come on. But like, Dude, how much do you think the WCC, how much do you think the WCC is paying out to their member institutions? But it's less that. It's they've been approached by the Mountain West, they've been approached by the Pac-12, they've been approached by like all these different conferences. Dude, Mount, you want to go to the Mountain West? Well, the Pac-12 no, or whatever. Go to the Big 12. I just feel like they've flirted with a lot of different conferences that I don't okay. know that they would actually join. All right, this last one is great. I want to tell I want to give it to you. Yeah. This is Matt Matt Quattaro at his uh introductory press the conference. New Royals the manager. New Royals manager. Quote this game is played by human beings. Mm. Do you believe him? Hmm. I mean, Albert Pujols' nickname is the Machine, right? So that's uh, a check in the no call. Are we to believe him. that baseball is played by human beings? No, I don't think it is. Now, for context, he was talking about analytics, and he was like, you know, <laughs> well, we want to use the numbers, but this game is played by human beings. Yeah. But how can we be sure? No, we can't. I want, I want some sort of robotic test for every player. You know, we're, we're past the steroid era, but now people are wondering. Now, we're now, in the robot now, yeah, we're, yeah, exactly. We're past the steroid era, and now we just have Terminators. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I'd watch Playing that. baseball. Could you imagine? Terminators like, playing 600 baseball. 600-foot nuke. All right, here's... Well, but if you had the Terminator in the out... Like, if it was all Terminators, the outfield Terminator could jump, like, 50 feet in the air and catch it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they'd be too violent. It'd be better for the Terminators to play, like, football. <laughs> but then they'd be, like, literally killing each other. So that would not be good yeah. for Roger Goodell. No. He already had to deal with enough. Well, but, I mean, the if the Terminator stuff. dies, does it really... I mean, <laughs> now we're getting, we're getting into a different <laughs> yeah, then we're getting does into... AI into count AI. as dying? <laughs> He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Two hours down, half an hour to go. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it.